Thank you, church. I know right after lunch, this is going to be a tough one. Now, Brother Muncie said I have 15 minutes. That's a tough feat. I better beat feet. You better open up your Bibles to Mark 5. Help is on the way, folks. Mark 5. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I'm Eric Hendricks, uh, church planning missionary to Zambia, Africa. My family and I are uh, on our way to go to Zambia and, and preach and teach and evangelize the bush people and the copper belt of, of Zambia. That is the central um, area of, of Africa. We are about 30 miles from the Congo. <clears throat> we are reaching a people that is very often unreached. We are working with a group of uh, men and women that have established a ministry there for the last 20 years. But we are going to um, go even further into the bush um, and reach people that may, may have never heard the gospel one time. Uh, many of them have never seen a white man before, which is a good thing because we're not very handsome. Um, but it draws the attention, and, um, and they're, they're ready for the gospel. Uh, they're very excited to hear it. They're very excited to see the people come and show the love of Jesus, um, like many of us were the first time we heard it. Um, when I was 18 years old, I got saved. never heard the gospel before then. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a good home at all. Um, sometimes I think we take for granted what our church is and what our families are. Um, I went to a Bible college where mostly um, were church folks, church kids from church homes out of pastors uh, and deacons and evangelists, and they were getting saved at 20 years old. When I got saved, it was real to me. When I got saved, I got saved out of a life of sin. Uh, the last grade I ever uh, graduated out of was eighth grade, so don't let the nice suit fool you. I got some money in my church back home. That's about it. Um, God's been good to me. Uh, and there's a lot we can sit back here and say, I could be bitter. My father left me when I was nine months old. I never met him. I preached his funeral and am vets, 21 years old. Uh, you know, life's not fair. And when you go meet the people in a different country, and, and you'll find out real fast, life's not fair. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get be asked to be uh, an American. I didn't get. I wasn't asked to to live in a, in the life that we live. But you know, we're only five percent of the world. The rest of the world's living in poverty. The rest of the world's living in, in hate and sin. And without us going and, and, and evangelizing those people, they're going to die and they're going to hell, and they're never going to know what it's like to know Jesus. Um, please, please, please. Pray for them, pray for those people, pray for your missionaries. I'm thankful to be in a like-minded church that is excited. Those booths were awesome. Uh, you know, I, I love to see people get excited about missions, even if it's just cooking. Because I like to eat now, come on, that'll preach. Let's pray and then I'll get in here. i got nine minutes left. Fifteen minutes, really? Okay, yes, sir. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we're so thankful. We're thankful for missionaries. We're thankful for mission conferences, Lord, that we would come together, that we would exalt your name and we would send it across every end of this earth, that we would go into the dark corners where the, where the devil's reigning supreme and we'll no, no longer allow it. Father, I want to be your warrior. I want to be your, your hands and your feet on this earth. I thank you for the opportunity to be behind this pulpit. pray that your words would come out of my mouth and I'd stand behind your cross. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Just bless the rest of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark 5, verse number 1. I'm going to read a few verses here, um, and we're going to put it all together. My, 
my quick sermon here. This is really just a Bible study. His help is on the way, folks. Chapter 5, it starts off like this. I like Mark because Mark was just a lowly fisherman, not a very educated man. I can understand him. Luke, the doctor, he's got a little bit too much fluff for me. Uh, I, I have a hard time reading. My preacher says, uh, if, you can't, if you can't preach real good, tell jokes. can't tell jokes real good, just, just read the Bible. If you can't read real good, read it slow. So we're going we're gonna to read as fast as I can. And, and they came. And they came unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. We're going to meet a man from the Gadarenes that ends up being our first missionary that we see in the New Testament. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. <clears throat> who and his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. You've never met a man or a man like this. Not one person in the Gadarenes could bind this man. He was so ate up with an unclean spirit that he was bound. And when I tell you, I don't have a lapel, so I'll just get loud if I come off the pulpit, but now that this whole world that we, that we are evangelizing in, that we're preaching in, they are bound with chains from the devil. There's not one man that can unbind them other than Jesus Christ. They could not bind this man with chains of this world. He was, he was, he was bound in a, in a sin of demonic oppression. We're going to find out how strong that was in a second. In verse number four, it goes on. It says, because he had, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains he would plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces Neither could any man tame him. When I was a young man, I, I got into drugs and alcohol at a very young age, and I thought that this, that was all that this world was going to have for me was a was a life of uh, uh, this was this this life was terrible. Life stinks, and we die. That was that's what I that's what I had in store for myself. And I, at a very young age, I just I determined that I didn't want to live sober, and I was chained up with the world's with that world's sauce. And the things that they give you and the things that they say that, that's going to make this go away. But I'm telling you right now, there's nothing in this world that can make it go away other than Jesus Christ. And we have a, a world that not just here in America, I'm telling you, in, in, the, in the farthest parts, uh, in the bush of Africa, they're still doing the same thing. You got drunk men, drunk women. We got people. How bad is the opioids in, in Kentucky? Pretty bad, isn't it? Why? No hope. Where's the hope? Jesus Christ, who's going to tell him? Someone's got to tell him. He told me. He changed my life. He didn't ask me to die for him. He only asked me to live. There's a lot of young men and a lot of young women that are just like this man. They, they're bound up. They're bound up in the, in, the do, in, the, in, the, in the toils and snares of the devil. But there's no one that can tame them here. There's not one person. You couldn't tame me. I was, I was a firecracker. Now that woman back there, Mar Mariah, she's she can tame me now. She's she's a she's a she's the boss. But but Lord, He touched my heart. He changed me, and I took that fresh breath air uh, when I got saved that that Sunday morning, November twenty second of two thousand and ten. My whole life changed. First time that my eyes opened to the real reality of this world. That hey. There's nothing that's going to make my, my sorrows go away, my shame go away, um, the bitterness in my life from who my parents were. They didn't know who they were. You can't be mad at them. We, we toil not with, with the enemies of this world. There's, it's not with blood. It's not with people. 
It's the devil. And he's winning. And a lot of times he's winning in our church. A lot of times we let him in these pews and we start to conjure up and we sit over there and we say, yeah, did you see so-and-so coming here with that? We start to bound ourselves with the, with the things of, the, of this world. Watch what, watch what happens when Jesus gets a hold of them. This is a very familiar passage. Six minutes. Fifteen minutes, huh? Okay. <clears throat> and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. We still see people do that this, this age. I went to a big public school in the world. And these girls, they, their body's shamed. And they'll cut themselves with razor blades. Isn't that terrible? That happens right now in this, in this day and age. 2,000 years ago, this man was doing the same thing. Open your eyes, church. Cut himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He knew. He'd never seen that man before, but he knew it was Jesus. Now, he's a very, uh, not a very easily seen man. You, when you've seen Jesus, he was no different than most of the people in that time and that age, even to the, to the fact when, when Judas gave him over to the Romans, he went over and kissed him so they would know which one was Jesus. That's, that's the kind of man that he was. He was very normal looking to everyone else. But this man who, who had a demonic spirit in him knew exactly who he was when he got off that boat, and he ran right to him now. Some of us need to get over ourselves and run right to him tonight. You know what you're into. I, I don't know your heart. I don't know your life. But I'm telling you what, you know Jesus when you see him. Come to him. And he cried a loud voice and said, What, I, what have I to do with, with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. We find here, we're going to have to skip around here a little bit in the, in the rest of this uh, passage, but you see here, this is legion, for he is many. And we, we find out that legion's about 2,000. He's got spirits uh, that <clears throat> outnumber what we can even fathom. Those, those spirits, those are, those are um, demonic strongholds that we have. It's no different in our lives. Envies and prides and lusts. And the things that this man was ate up with is the same thing that this, this, this country that we're seeing fall apart, the same strongholds that they're ate up with now. And the same strongholds that we're going to go to in, in, in Africa or South America or, or Guam or wherever you're heading, those same strongholds are these Dominic entities that are taking over our churches, taking over our, our cities and allowing, keeping our children from going to church. You know, we, we're starting to see the kids fall out, aren't we? I don't have to worry about that. I was never in it. When I, when I got saved, it was real to me. So I, I go to a church, I see a church split, I say, wow. It wasn't real to somebody. You see a church split over the carpet. I wanted hardwood floors. We just couldn't afford it. Well, what are we doing, church? What are we falling over? We're letting demonic strongholds take over in our lives. And all we got to do is go worship him at his feet. Jesus comes to this man, and he sees him, and he asks him his name. The demon says to himself, we are legion, for we are legion, My name is Legion, for we are many. He besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. They were comfortable. Those demons are comfortable. The, the, the devil's comfortable in America right now. Do you understand that? 
The devil's comfortable with the way our churches are going out and evangelizing the people. If, if you're not getting his attention, you're not doing it right. Most of us, the devil doesn't even know our name. Ask yourself that. Does the devil know your name? I don't know that the devil knows my name yet. I really don't. But one day he will. I'm going to go over to Africa and the front lines and, and, and fight a battle that he runs rampant and he runs wide open and he's not hiding it. He's still hiding it a little bit here in America, but we're letting him have it. We're letting him have whatever he wants. We're letting him have the kids in the school and the television and, the, and all the stuff that we allow in our homes. We're allowing demonic strongholds to come into our families and our lives. I've watched it. He had a demonic stronghold in my family for years. <clears throat> but he's comfortable. He doesn't want to leave that country. He doesn't want to leave your home. He doesn't want to leave your family. He doesn't want to get out of there. Why? Because he's comfortable. He's having a good time there. And now he says here, it says, Now there was, there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into him, into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and entered in the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. They were choked in the sea. Jesus gave them what they wanted, but if anyone knows any, any hog farmers here, looks like there's three or four of them. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding, guys. <clears throat> Pigs don't swim. So he knew when those, when those, Demons went in those pigs, and they'd, they'd run down in the sea. They'd, they'd jump in and torment themselves. They weren't going to make it. But he got the attention of the folks at the Gadarenes now. 2,000 swine just ran off the hillside into the lake. And all the folks, you're, you don't have time to read the whole thing, but all those folks that fed those, those swine, these were, these, were the, these were the pigs that, um, that were able to, to feed the people, feed, feed all the folks at the Gadarenes. It was the money. It was the farmers. Got their attention. Got their attention when all their swine jumped in that in that in that water there, and it helped them. It helped them see that uh, there was a man that came off that boat and he and he took the that de- the devil out of that man right there. <clears throat> and those swine went in. They went into the, into the city. They told them what manner of man is this. No one's ever seen a man like Jesus. I never met a man like Jesus before. Changed my life. Changed the changed the lives around us. Changed our fa- our family's life. He's going to get your attention one way or another. It says here, and it says, um, off, on, on it, later here in the verses, it says now, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends. This is talking to the man of uh, the Gadarenes, the man that was, was full of this, this spirit. And it says he wanted to stay there with them. Don't we want to sit at Jesus' feet? You know, don't get me wrong, I want, to, I want to stay right at Jesus' feet, stay in my home church, be comfortable. But Jesus wants this man to go tell somebody something about him. He needs to go back into the Gadarenes where they didn't want him, they didn't want him no more. They never wanted that man. It says, How be it, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done to thee and hath had compassion on thee. If you go back in, in the Mark 4, you're going to see something very profound about this message about the man of the Gadarenes. We don't know his name. We don't know. We don't hear anything after this this passage of what happened about this man, but we do know that something very very significant happened in this land. 
This man was bound up with, with the devils and strongholds. No one, everyone around him knew him, but they couldn't tame him. They couldn't bind him. They couldn't heal him. They couldn't fix him. Then a man named Jesus comes across the sea. He, gets his, he sets the gatherings upside down. Then the man wants to stay at his feet, wants to worship with him. Let me be your disciple. He says, no, I need you to go and tell those people what great things I've done for you. Let me show you how this started. He just got done preaching to the multitudes. In verse 35 of, of Mark 4, it says, And they came in the same day, after he was preaching to the multitudes, it says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass unto the other side. He said, Let us pass unto the other side. The next four, the next four verses is when the storm came and the Disciples were very scared about what was going on, and he was asleep like a baby. You know why? Because he said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's try to get there. Let's get in the boat and see where we end up. Jesus said, let's go to the other side because I have somewhere to get to because there's somebody that needs me, and there's a place called the Gadarenes that's never heard of my love. So when he said, let's go to the other side, it wasn't no matter the strongholds that came and that wind and that storm, my God is more powerful. My God will have, have the day and the end, and he will win. I've read the end of the book. When he says, let's go to the other side, he means let's go to the other side. Missionaries, we're all here. We're, ha- we're having a hard time sometimes. We go to deputation, and, and we're, we're going tr- church to church. And, but Jesus said to me, he said, Eric, I want you to go to Zambia. I said, yes, sir. That's all I said. I didn't, I didn't say give me, give me anything else. It's not going to be easy all the time, and I don't want it to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But what he did say is, let's go on to the other side. And I know that no matter what comes in between me, no storm, no stronghold, nothing's going to keep me from it. Because there's somebody waiting on me in Africa to hear the gospel that no one else can tame but my Jesus. Listen, we've got a a great week of missionaries and and this missions conference. Let's see God work. And that starts with our prayers. It starts with getting on our knees and saying, God, use me here. Because we need you now. We need them now more than ever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that your help is on the way. I thank you that you said, let's go to the other side, that there was a man who didn't know he needed your love, but he got it. And I thank you for your love and your compassion on me and my family and our lives, that we would be able to serve you. And I pray that you would raise up young men and women in this church, that they'd be excited to go and they'd be excited to knock a door and say, hey, my God can tame you. And he loves you, Lord. I want to see the rest of this, this time this week just be so fruitful and have your spirit run, run wild in this church. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.